one of the things we want to do is to really impact not only the culture and the results of students accessing a better life, a more education, confidence in themselves, but really instilling and invigorating a pride in the profession. Inspiring educators and reigniting their passion is very important to us as well. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. And today we're talking with Sandy Husk, CEO of Advancement via Individual Determination, better known as AVID, a global nonprofit organization working to close the achievement gap by helping prepare teachers to prepare students for college readiness and success in a global society. AVID was established more than 35 years ago by teacher Mary Catherine Swanson in her own classroom for 32 low-income students, and today it impacts nearly 1.5 million students in 46 states and 16 other countries. Sandy was hired as AVID's CEO in 2014. She's had an interesting career path towards education, and it's been super helpful in her current role. So let's listen in as she and Tom discuss her past experiences and what first attracted her to AVID. Sandy Husk, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate the invite and you uh, wanting to include Avid. Sandy, you're an, um, you're an interesting CEO because you, you've had the good fortune to serve as a public school superintendent in three states. So I'd love to start just by asking you to reflect on what you learned about readiness, uh, both as a, as a counselor and, and then an administrator and then a, a superintendent. Yes, well, I think, you know, as a counselor and a, a principal and a teacher, I learned a lot about readiness with academics and the social-emotional area, how to build the confidence in students and families, how to um, bolster educators' instructional strategies so that they were not only teaching academic content, but they were teaching students to learn. But I think as a superintendent, I learned even more about how to take that to scale by making sure your policies provided um, not only permission for access, but actually a demand for access, that it's not enough to say we offer um, dual enrollment college credit bearing courses or advanced placement or international baccalaureate, but that you really have to create a culture that is insistent that all students be represented in those groups and that we provide the support and how to get there when you've got, you know, 10 high schools instead of one high school is something I learned throughout my career. The other thing I think I've learned um, as a superintendent, even more so than as a teacher and counselor, is how much the relationships matter. Right. The, um, the relationship that students establish with some of their favorite or best teachers oftentimes can be isolated to one person or a very special teacher sometime in their career. And I believe that we should be able to establish that for dozens and dozens of teachers in variety of content because the relationships are so impactful on students' actions and their own belief in themselves. When were you introduced to AVID and which districts did you have an AVID partnership? Actually, the um, first high school principal I ever had the pleasure of hiring um, is a career educator from Colorado. And ironically, she joined the AVID team before I joined it. But back in whatever year, my first year of being a superintendent, I hired Karen Lewis. And 
she was such a strong um, instructional leader, she came to me and said, hey, a teacher of mine found this brochure and I think it sounds pretty good and I'd like to try it. And I said, I will support whatever you want to try because I know how smart you are. And so she started implementing it. And what I was really impressed with was not only the impact on students, but how quickly it changed the environment of enthusiasm and sharing of instructional practice across all of the, high, the teachers in that high school. When I went to Clarksville, Montgomery County, Tennessee, I offered um, the option to secondary schools if they wanted to try AVID and some folks took them up on it, took us up on it. And again, the, the results in the students and the educators was so enthusiastic that all of the schools ended up wanting to try. And then I did the same thing when I went to Salem-Kaiser in Oregon. So what, uh, what, what attracted you to, uh, to join the AVID leadership team? You know, I, because my first administrative training was in professional development, and it was something that I've really loved, is that how do you empower all of these wonderful, smart educators and the support staff that are around them to dream big and to find ways to interact with each other. And AVID, I see not only, um, it creates a common language so that teachers from multiple disciplinary areas can communicate about um, wicker strategies is what we refer to, rigorous um, reading and writing strategies, how to organize, how to collaborate. Um, it also reinstills a pride um, in being an educator, I, I think sometimes we forget how much people really appreciate what we do. And so being able to be a leader of an organization that does that for educators on an annual basis was very motivating to me. And then um, first and last would be the powerful, powerful impact it has on children and their families. And not just changing that child and their trajectory, but it really changes the trajectory of generations of their family to come, including the existing family they're in. And I've heard that story told by students over and over. So I guess a summary would be, I found it very motivating. I found it aligned well with my skill set and my belief system. And it was a way that I could have impact across the nation. Um, and I was ready for that in my career. I'd been working in different states and different school districts and I thought, what a, what a great place to be that we could actually have impact across the whole nation and, and in several countries. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, and today we're talking with Sandy Husk, CEO of AVID, about how her organization helps prepare students to become college ready. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out Season 2, Episode 40, the podcast called A Successful Quest for an Early College Solution, where students from Quest Early College High School, an AVID program participant, share more about how earning an associate's degree along with their high school diploma is helping them prepare for college and career success. Also be sure to check out Season 1, Episode 22, where Tim Stensager, a leader in Washington State on college and career guidance, talks with our colleague Mary Ryersey about Career Guidance Washington, a career and college readiness program in Washington State, as well as College Spark Washington, which funds programs like Career Guidance Washington that help low-income students become college-ready and earn post-secondary degrees.
Back to this podcast now, where Sandy's describing what AVID is like today and how implementing AVID in schools indirectly helps students by impacting the entire system, closing the opportunity gap, and in turn, ultimately eliminating the achievement gap. Because we know that a key for learning success is our students is based on what we what happens in the classroom, we really believe that when teachers are engaged, when they're engaged in setting the pace for their school, owning the instructional practices and the belief systems, then students succeed. And I think that the teachers who have the opportunity to be trained by their colleagues who understand AVID end up having the same goals that we do here in AVID. AVID is a college and career readiness system that starts with professional learning. Sometimes we refer to it as a program, but it's not really a program because we we do offer direct services to students through the AVID elective, but AVID actually impacts the whole system across the school, how they use data, how they set goals, et cetera. Um, And finally, how I would describe it, it's a very, very powerful way to close the opportunity gap so that the achievement gap then, um, the elimination of the achievement gap can become a reality. Is it typically implemented for uh, some students in a school? We have more and more schools that want to go school-wide. And so there are really two options when you're implementing AVID, at least at the middle and the high school level. One is you can do an implementation where you're focusing on the elective and the other teachers who work with those students that's in the elective. The other option is to say, we're going to have an elective, but we want all of the educators in our school trained in AVID practices. Um, And that's what we refer to as school-wide. And that's becoming an even more powerful implementation that we're seeing um, become much more popular because it's much more impactful on students. And how many schools are you working with these days and what indication of uh, success do you see? Uh, We're in, I'll say approximately because the number moves on me, but we're in approximately 45 states and I think up to five or 6,000 schools. Um, We're in 16 nations. Most of that is through the Department of Defense, although we do have an AVID version in Australia and Canada. If you you wanted to see the teacher's engagement and the enthusiasm, it would just need to get you to one of our events, whether it was a summer institute or a, a larger other training and you will see the the enthusiasm of educators and the energy that they put into the room about how to get better at their own practice. The impact on students is uh, just phenomenal. Um, We have students that are um, coming out of traditionally non-college going cultures, usually associated with poverty, often Latino, African-American, sometimes rural students who are now accessing high levels of rigorous courses, whether it's advanced placement or other courses, they are graduating from college at a much higher rate than like subgroups. They are being accepted to college. And probably our greatest pride point is we track them as they persist throughout college, college university, or some other kind of post-secondary education. And um, as I mentioned earlier, if you take a subgroup, let's say of Uh, low-income students, and you look at the results when they've had access to AVID versus the results when they've not compared to like subgroups or even the national averages, you'll see that they're by far exceeding the the results that you would expect. So let's 
uh, recap the key ingredients here. I, I guess I think all the way back to your founder, uh, Mary Catherine, it really starts with a, a belief that all kids can. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, I definitely know that Mary Catherine started with the belief that all kids um, can. And I also know that she has a tenacity for um, being brave and um, persistent in working in her own classroom and then also engaging educators throughout the school, which was Claremont High School back in the 80s. I would say for educators today, it starts with a an eagerness to learn what it is that's impacting other educators and other students. One of the ways that we grow is that we invite educators who have not experienced AVID to come and see what the results are. So oftentimes they come in not necessarily with the the whole belief system, but an enthusiasm and an eagerness to learn. As they implement what they're learning are instructional strategies, how to teach students to organize themselves and how to navigate through uh, difficult situations, if it's um, how to fill in the FAFSA, how to apply to college, things that they may not have resources from their home to support them, not because they're not loved, but they just don't know how to do that. Um, and then how to change the culture within the school itself. Um, how can we make sure that we demonstrate through the things that we celebrate in the school that um, all means all? Uh, say a little bit more about the instructional strategies. You called that uh, wicker earlier. It's a, really a focus on uh, rigorous reading, writing, critical thinking, right? Yes, and organization um, and engagement. Um, the other strategies we use is we teach the students a, a method of Cornell note-taking so that they're not just learning how to take notes, but they're thinking about the devices they're going to use to remember information and how will they process that. Um, we teach them how to frame a debate. We teach them higher level questioning. Um, we use the Socratic method for them to uh, problem solve and talk with each other. Um, we also have a tutorial component. And I have to admit, when I was a superintendent, I thought the tutorial was just like a regular tutorial where you had a tutor and they helped you with your um, information you didn't understand. But the tutorial is actually much more powerful than that. It's a small group of, of high school students or middle school students. The tutor is usually someone older than them, maybe a college student if it's a high school class or a high school student if it's a middle school classroom. And the tutor is teaching the students a process of how to ask questions to get to their point of confusion. And what I saw was when they do it, they not only learn the content, they really begin to build confidence that you don't have to know the answer in order to have a conversation about what you don't understand. And they practice it enough that I think it's a lifelong tool for them that when they get into a course in post-secondary or even in the work setting where they don't understand the issue, that they now know how to use a team to work together to get towards the answer. It's a, a great life strategy, a work strategy, and a post-secondary education strategy. So you have almost 6,000 schools that are in the AVID network. Uh, how do you promote learning across that network? Um, we have a variety of ways that they will connect um, through digital media. We have something called AVID Weekly, 
where we will share different lessons um, with them, literally weekly, that's, that's the name. Um, there's a lot of collaboration in regional and local areas where we organize trainings that are back in their state or their city, and they will come together across district lines. When they're in the AVID professional learning environment, um, sometimes they're all science teachers, um, or sometimes they are science teachers from a variety of levels, or it might be a multidisciplinary team. And then you have a annual conference, right? Actually, we, um, we have a national conference that's open to anyone. We offer that in December, and you can get to that off our website, avid.org, under events. This particular December of 17, it'll be in Orlando. But the primary professional learning we do is what we call the Summer Institutes. We will have 11 of those this summer, summer of 17, in a variety of cities throughout the nation. How long do schools um, retain their affiliation? Is this something that they do for a few years and then go off on their own, or do schools uh, stick with you for, uh, for years and years? Schools usually stay connected with us for years and years. We have a very, very high retention rate after they get a successful implementation. The key years for implementation, like any major change initiative, is the first, second, and third year of the implementation. So that's where a little bit of the heavier lift in terms of the professional learning occurs. Um, we find that after year three, schools want, they, they keep their membership with us and they very often continue to send educators to professional learning, either for a refresh or because they have new instructional leaders in their building um, or they want to learn something new. You know, maybe it's not a refresh, but they want to move into a different content area. But the most intense time, I would say, is in the first few years of impl implementation. What's uh, next for the AVID network? Well, we're always very focused, laser-like laser focus on reaching more students. Um, we impact students when we impact more teachers. So how can we have more schools go school-wide? How can we... Um, bring in new sites? How can we, can we continue to offer products and services that are very meaningful for our existing clients or are attractive to new schools and districts that want to join us? We're expanding quite a bit in the technology arena. A lot of the things that we've done with hard copy are now moving digital. Um, we, the students will um, um, lovingly or laughingly refer to the binders. We now have uh, e-binders that can be used in a variety of platforms. Uh, we kicked off a, a partnership uh, with Microsoft last summer um, where they're really highlighting Avid um, binders through their e-binder. Um, we're also looking at uh, the new things about regulations and legislation, whether it's ESSA or some of the state legislation, and how can we look at what states and the national level are interested in and make sure that we are prepared to be in front of that. Um, and we're increasing awareness all of the time, um, talking about um, where are we and how can we make it clearer as to what we're doing. I would say to you that 93% of students that are exiting from the AVID program are ready for college entrance requirements. 88% submit their applications. 79% are accepted to four-year universities. We also have a much higher persistent rate, six to eight percent of our st AVID students versus non-AVID students persist in higher education. 
which if you consider that the averages we're comparing ourselves to our national averages and our students are a much higher percentage of underrepresented populations in a typical college going culture, we think that's pretty amazing. One of the things we wanna do is to really impact not only the culture and the results of students accessing a better life, a more education, confidence in themselves, but really instilling and invigorating a pride in the profession. Inspiring educators and reigniting their passion is very important to us as well. Uh, Sandy Husk, we really appreciate you being on the Getting Smart podcast, and we appreciate uh, the work at Avid and look forward to uh, sharing more of that uh, good news with our audience. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate you contacting us. And anytime we can help you connect with more educators and families, please let us know. Thank you so much to Sandy Husk for joining the podcast today, to Tom for a great interview, and to Troy Lund for mixing support. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovation and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Megan and Kat signing off.